Fire up the braai, the Premier League is here. Welcome to our latest edition of On The Whistle. In today's show, we have all our regulars to talk about the toughest league in the world. And if you don't know, now you know. I'm going to give you the CVs, well, the Yellow Pages version of their CVs of the gang. We have Courtney Fries, a PSL winner from South Africa. Ahmed Youssef, the editor of kingfoot.com. And Francis and Quain, the jet setter, high flyer, sports media executive who lives his life in too many cities to mention. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. How are you all doing? Good, brother. Pretty good. All good, thank you. All good. Lovely to be here as always. Always good to get the bride started with you guys. Now, later in the program, we're going to have an interview with Bafana and Leeds legend Lucas Radebe. That's going to close out our show. But before we get anywhere near there, we're going to talk about the Premier League, the players and the contenders to look out for this season. And in addition to the four fantastiques, to borrow the PSG phrase to describe their marvellous attacking array, we have a very special guest joining us today. We have award-winning African sports journalist and broadcaster extraordinaire, the BBC's own Mimi Fawaz, who is going to turn us into the Fantastic Five. Welcome to the show, Mimi. Thanks, Zane. I bet bad thing in your introduction there, Bri. I'm a vegetarian, so I have I, to sorry. I don't support <laughs> that. A Nigerian of... who doesn't eat meat. I know. We are I never heard of it. I know. I took after my grandfather, my maternal grandfather. I apologize. <laughs> wow, wow. What a way. I mean, listen, we can do chicken, right? Courtney, can we put chicken on for the vegetarian? No, chicken. <laughs> of course we can. Vegetables, that's what you can put on. Uh -oh. Do you fry oh, with grilled vegetables, Francis, in Cameroon? Is that what you guys do? I have some mushrooms here, some king-sized mushrooms. I think she can do those. <laughs> Mimi, despite us getting off to a bad start on this pod, we're going to forgive you. <laughs> okay. Because one, you're a vegetarian, and two, you're a Nigerian, right? <laughs> and you know South Africans and Nigerians, we rivals. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, we I rivals. I do know you. You're always having a bit of banter on Twitter during the Africa Cup of Nations, and we're always beating you guys as we did the last Afcon, knocking you out. So we're good. <laughs> I still owe Peter Odomwingi food. You've reminded me, but okay. we knocked Egypt out, didn't we, Ahmed? South Africa knocked the hosts out. We're technically the champs, no? Thanks, thanks for reminding me. I tried to forget about this year's uh, Afcon. So last year's. Cool, cool, cool. Well, listen, let's get the show started. This is where we're going to, this is where we got to go. We got to start with the champions, Liverpool. Can they retain Courtney Freeze? Uh, my prediction for this season, Zane, is one of fear. Um, I trust in Klopp. I trust in everything he's done. He's taken us to the title for the first time in 30 years. But the little transfer movement within my club at a time where the same team has been going two seasons in a row. I'm just a bit worried, a bit fearful. Will we be able to sustain that consistency we had for the last two seasons? Man City will not be as weak as what they were last season. That will definitely not happen. Chelsea 
are making a collection of some of the, the, the brightest stars out there in Europe. Man United have added one player to their team. They're going to be a, a stellar outfit. I'm worried for Liverpool. Will we be able to claim the title this season? Now, Courtney, we know you're a Liverpool fan, so there's a vested interest. There's the heart, there's the head. Mimi, as someone who sits on the outside and observes, how do you think Liverpool will go this season? I think it could, it's for me, it's between, again, Liverpool and City. I do agree that I, I do think that City um, are going to come back stronger than they were last season. But I still think that the front three of Liverpool still have a lot to give. I don't see, as Courtney was saying, they've had the same the past two seasons. I don't see that changing or anybody moving away from the club. Um, the front three until possibly we could possibly be talking next season. I know that Mane has been linked with possibly uh, a move away from the club. But for me, it will definitely be between City and Liverpool. Um, I, I, I do get it that Chelsea are reinforcing and United. But if anything, and even Arsenal, um, I think for the other three, it's probably top four. Mimi, you've covered Liverpool. You've been there multiple times. Someone you know through interviews is Mohamed Salah. You spoke to him a few weeks ago. Where was his mindset at? Was he looking ahead at the new season? What were some of the goals he had for himself and the club? Absolutely. We spoke about the season just gone. And we also spoke about the season to come. And the one, I've spoken to him a couple of times, as you said. I spoke to him a few months before they won the Champions League. Um, and they had just missed out the previous season in the final. And, and he had said to me that they were really focused. They all wanted to win something. And they did. This time around, I felt that they had the hunger there. And he said he doesn't want to say they didn't have motivation. They had motivation. But I sense more. I sense a different level to the hunger, if I can put it that way. And that's the, that's the word he used with me at the end of the season just a couple of weeks ago. It's that mentality. They've got the hunger now coming from winning the Champions League, then to winning the Premier League. So he said it's that momentum of keeping that hunger. And he predicted that they could, yes, win again the title this season and for a couple more seasons to come. So it was quite interesting to see the shift um, in mentality in a way from him after interviewing him a few times. So I, I wouldn't rule out Liverpool at all. As I said, for me, it's between um, Liverpool and City. Yeah, it's, it's uh, interesting because I think he's um, he, last by last season. Stan had a good season. Um, uh, you know, I, I think it's very difficult for people to compare him to his first season because that will never happen again. But if you compare just purely the season with any other player, it was you know a good season for him. Um, his uh, ambition. He's a very ambitious person, right? He went from Basel, Chelsea. He he's always wanted to get bigger and bigger clubs, and I think Liverpool now have proven that they're a big club. They've won the Champions League. They won the Premier League. Um, I remember a while back, you know, I spoke with his agent and there was interest from, you know, in Spain and things like that. And But I think that's died down in the last year or so. I think he's happy at Liverpool from what it looks like. Um, and uh, for, his, you know, his, his, for his career, he could, you know, become a, a legend at Liverpool as opposed to kind of going away to maybe Barcelona or, or Real Madrid for a year or two and then not really, you know, plateauing there. Um, he can make a name for himself at Liverpool and I think he wants to do that by the looks of it um, at the moment. And certainly when you look at the Spanish giants, Real Madrid and Barcelona, those clubs are not what those clubs are not what they once were. 
So certainly staying at Liverpool is going to be very attractive. But what Liverpool need to do is to bolster and get better. And we actually have a question from Neil from the Liverpool Supporters Club in Cape Town that he posed to our panel. So take a listen to this. Uh, do we as Liverpool fans need to be concerned about what appears to be a very slow intake of new signings this season? And just to follow up on the um, new incumbents into uh, Liverpool FC, uh, would be will, will we see a closer working relationship between the academy and the main club, perhaps? All right, those were the thoughts of Neil from the Liverpool Supporters Club in Cape Town. Neil, thank you for sending us your question. Let's open it up, guys. What do you think is going to happen? Well, well, for me personally, I just feel that Liverpool are at a point in their development, their, their next step, that they don't need to go out and purchase two, three or four players. Um, the, the squad, is, as Mimi was talking about earlier, it's a good squad. The front three are, are doing exceptionally well. Very few injuries throughout the squad. I think one quality addition somewhere in the squad to maybe sometimes take the workload off the front three as well give a different option up front um, because we've got a very workman-like midfield. I do not see that we need anything changing there. we got an unbelievable player who I think is going to flourish this year in Naby Keita. I think he's a wonderful player. So I just think one addition to that squad uh, gives us the fear factor. Uh, I do agree with Neil uh, in regards to transfers. I know that some people have been talking about Patson Daka, um, the Zambian who's been on the radar for Liverpool. Um, I mean, I mean, he's been doing really well in Austria, so it'd be interesting to see if if he will be brought in. But I think another area that some people have been talking about is in defence. For example, Van Dijk gets injured. Um, what then? What then happens? Um, because as we know, he really has been a pillar leader in that defense. So I think maybe that's something um, that people could look at. I'm not too sure about if I feel um, upfront, anything much needs to be changed for me personally, because I really think they've got a winning formula there. Maybe in the next, as I said, couple of seasons, maybe they can start to look and change things a little bit, especially as, as we know, Klopp is all about project building, you know, a team as well for the future. And I'm sure the front three will want to start looking to move on to other clubs. Yeah, I, I agree with what uh, Mimi is saying. I think um, even Courtney's point in terms of very little needs to be done for Liverpool, um, as heavy my heart is when I say this, they do look good. But the thing about football is standing still is moving backwards. And I do think they do need to add a little je ne sais quoi almost in their games because teams will prepare for it. People's seasons will be made by the fact that they beat the champions or they held the champions to a draw. And I think sometimes you have enough footage now for the research departments, two years, maybe even three years worth of a style of play that some clubs are coming up like Arteta is pretty much showing like he has an understanding of how to counter Liverpool's game. A lot of coaches will learn from these things. So the players like Keita, who I actually think will be surprise packages this year, because I think he's one of those players who hasn't had 
enough of a run in the team for people to really understand his game. And I think he was taking, well, the coach was really giving him a lot of time to settle in. But a person like Jorginho in particular for me is one of those players who I don't think they should let go of. Because I think, uh, unlike a Henderson who was fettered this year, in my opinion, unnecessarily, <laughs> um, I think these are the players who make Liverpool tick. And if they run the risk of losing players like these and not replacing them uh, with the people who not only have the engine, but also have the skill set, like um, Thiago at, uh, what's his name, at, at Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich. Yes, players like that would add something to the club. So they don't need three players. They don't need four players. Mimi's right in terms of if an injury, let's say Van Dijk is due an injury. He's been quite fit for quite a stretch. So just say you, he misses 10 games for whatever reason. They could struggle. But then they have people like like uh, Matip, who is pretty decent, does the job. They're steady. Um, Gomez, he's had his fair bit of injuries. So he's due a a good run. I think they're okay in terms of their numbers, but I do think they need that one or two, and I, they may have the one already in Cater, but I think if they add one more person to them, then really it would be their league to lose. Yeah. I, I, I kind of agree with you as well. I think um, you see previously in pre, uh, seasons where the, the previous winner hasn't added to the squad and they've always struggled the next season. They've not really won it. Um, and that's, that's a risk that Liverpool look like they're taking. They've only really added the, that one Greek defender. Um, and for me, one actually position where I thought they would have gone in for quite a, a, is the goalkeeper because they, they seem to struggle with Adrian last year and he made a couple of big mistakes, arguably costing the Champions League. I would have thought, you know, you, you want to get a good second, you know, a, a better second goalkeeper. They haven't done that. Um, but there's, there's two things, I think, to Klopp side that he likes to promote youth players and there's a lot in there. You've got Curtis Jones, couple of others so um he's got that option and as, and as um francis said you know we have not really seen much of cases he, he they still have a lot of backup players the biggest concern is if there's an injury to the center backs because um van dyke and i think gomez are kind of you know the solid center backs and they they don't know they've got matip and but i, I don't know how kind of that matip is up to that you know he, he's a good replacement but he's not a replacement that can consistently win them games uh and, and help them um, win the title again. So, Bruce Krobler, if you listen to our previous podcast, he has broken Liverpool's curse by peeing on the Anfield posts. So, regardless what anybody says here, Bruce Krobler has paved the way for a dynasty to be created at Anfield. And that was our most recent podcast. And we got a lot of reaction on social media to it. So, I'm just going to read some of the responses. One of the responses was from Irfan Adam, who said, love this guy, brutally honest and very candid. We can certainly say that about Bruce. And we had another response from Spoo Mjigoliso. And what Spoo said to us was, it was amazing. So too was the chat with Chris Hutton. Now I've listened back to Benoit Asawakado. Great stuff that you guys are doing. So again, if you want to listen to those other chats, whether it's Bruce Krobola, whether it's Benoit Asawakado, or whether it's Chris Hutton, please, on the Whistle Podcast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you can find us there. Tune in and go back and go into the vault. We guarantee you'll be entertained. And as always, blow us up on social media. 
OTW underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also find us on Facebook and our newly launched YouTube channel where you get to see our beautiful faces. And you can find that by searching on the Whistle podcast, both on Facebook, both on YouTube. Go and take a look. And I think this serves as the perfect transition into the next segment of the show as we move away from Liverpool and start to look at some of the players that we can see standing out this season. We'll throw it over to you again, Mimi, and keeping the Liverpool theme going, we spoke about Salah, but how good can Mane be this season? I mean, Mane being African Football Player of the Year. He's a, he's, I think he's just such a, a wonderful player. I mean, can he get any better? <laughs> I guess the only way that he can get any better, maybe, is to add more goal tallies. I just feel he's like the complete player. He provides goals. He provides assists. He, I, I just feel he's like a really all-rounded team player. I don't find him a selfish player in any way whatsoever. Um, so I can just see him get, being that very lethal force up front, um, competing for the golden boot, um, as we saw him win, share it, not this season, but the previous season. Um, so not much more to say about him. He's just a fantastic finisher, gets in all those little spots that he needs, great build-up play. So more goals, I would say, adding to his tally. Absolutely. And having that rivalry with Salah, where these two players drive each other on, I think is something we all love and we all enjoy watching. Can, let me rephrase the question. What does Sadio Mane have to do to be considered for the Ballon d'Or? And I mean, a serious contender. This was a big debate, actually, Zane. Um by, I would say, African sports journalists overall, where people said maybe if he wasn't an African player, that he would have been considered, uh, you know, winning the, ball the Ballon d'Or. And then there was the other argument that even some African players hadn't necessarily voted him in that, um, in you know, to be top three, top five, I guess. Um, I, I think for me, he's an all-rounded player. And I really do think it is, maybe we could get that argument, but you're in an era where you're living with like Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, everybody knows consistently there are going to be lots of sports journalists. Sure. Kylian Mbappe, Neymar. There's yeah. a host of them, and right? Those ones, Kylian Mbappe and all of them, are there for me, the upcoming future generation of possible winners for me. Um, so I don't know. I think maybe he might say if he maybe went away from the club, um, people might then consider him for it, but I, I, I don't. I personally would have. It's definitely up there for me. That's if I can put it that way. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> it's interesting with the Ballon d'Or because I think quite a lot of it is also about the You know, you, there's the underlying commercial aspect of it, which gives players the fame and and and, and that publicity, and then other players vote for them when they don't not actually know the ability. They just vote for them because of the fame. So. Um, I think Mane is a great, great player, and I hope he can work on expanding his, uh, his that fame and might, might help him. Well, what do we got to do to get Kingfoot behind him, Ahmed? How can Kingfoot help this campaign? How can they breathe fire and life into that? Yeah, we've we've always supported every African player who's uh, who's who's got. And I and I, you know, I think we can all be honest that Mane was the better player, better than Salah this last season for sure, and he 
he deserves to kind of to you know had there been a Ballon d'Or this year, I think it's been cancelled, hasn't it? So yeah. uh, he would have been up there. So um, he definitely deserves it. I agree with you. I, I maybe because he's more of a quiet. He's a bit more quiet. I, I guess maybe is is maybe how I can describe him. He's he's not really out there. He's just about you know scoring those goals, um, providing those assists, as I said, and his charity work back home. You don't really see him with the whole rah rah rah, if I can say, <laughs> on social media. Maybe that's it. Maybe in people's perceptions, you, you see you see Ronaldo everywhere. You see all those endorsements for Ronaldo. You, you see him on social media. He he has such a presence and. I don't know. Maybe that's why people don't think of Mane in that way. I don't know about that global brand. But for me, he's definitely a global brand, and he's 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 worth to be there with the top, with the Messi, with the Ronaldos. I think you you're very right, Mimi. Uh, one of the things I think he models, not maybe doesn't model, but I think he's very similar to to Messi, in the sense that. He doesn't really put himself out there and lets his football speak for himself. But the difference with Messi is. Barcelona as a club made Messi the pinup of Barca. And I think that's where Liverpool as a club could decide to accompany that journey for their player. And they could make things around Liverpool around him. But club's philosophy is less individual and more team. And I think that's why you would have a, a problem with that. And so uh, Liverpool is instructed as a club to do the same thing. And so I think he will perpetually struggle. And yet again, we'll have another example of a year where Maybe he could have, but all of a sudden, because of COVID-19, it was canceled. And so we'll have another story of a could have, would have, should have. And next year, I think another player is going to surface because I don't think he's going to do the same thing again. That's just my opinion, because the conversations are already leaning towards the next generation. And the problem is he sat in that transition. I think Messi and Ronaldo kind of created a space onto themselves. And then the challenge is whether it was going to be a Griezmann or a Neymar. Or, and they've kind of not really taken the mantle. And everybody's kind of, or everybody, you sports journalists are already looking to the next generation. And that's why I think the names like Mbappe get banded about already, which I think it's kind of early. But he's been doing it for five, six years already. So some people are kind of looking at him, looking at Holland. And saying, okay, this next generation of kids, maybe we could kind of say, skip the guys in the middle, and we just go to the next set and give them another 10 years to go. The person I feel sad for is Obama Yang, personally, who I think, not even an Arsenal fan, but, <laughs> but I think he's one of those players who's truly doing absolute magic in a, in a club that's been transitioning since he's been there, but he has, his stats are unbelievable. Um, but I don't think he gets the uh, the applause he deserves. I think. No, and and I don't think he got enough props when he was at Dortmund and he was the main man there. He is such a fine talent, and whenever you watch him, this is a match winner. This is a guy who can transform a team into being a match winner. And Mimi, I'll, I'll I'll pass the ball over to you. When you look at the Premier League, when you look at the elite African players in the league, who do you think we should be looking out for this season? Obviously, you're going to be looking at the names we've already mentioned, the Manes, the Salas, the Obameyangs. Um, and just as you've just mentioned here, for me, I think Obameyang is 
without a doubt, one of the best finishers in the Premier League. Um, what, 22 goals, I think it was, in the Premier League. Out of that, maybe 17 directly um, impacted the match. That just shows you how incredible he is. Um, so he's definitely one to watch out for. And then you have your, your new players that have come in, like Hakim Ziyech. I think he's definitely another one that I would be looking out for. We've seen how he was at Ajax. We've seen how he was as well for Morocco. We saw against the match Brighton. He, he created that pass that led to the goal. So he's such a creative player. And I feel like he's as well a king of assists. He can provide you those assists and find you those situations to make the goals happen. So he's definitely one for me that I would watch out for this season. Another one maybe mm, that's slightly spoken about, but maybe not to the level of Hakim Ziyech yet, is um, Ebere, Eberechi, Eze known as Ebere for most people who just signed for Crystal Palace from QPR. He's also a young talent, 22-year-old, that I would like to see how he does with Crystal Palace, one of the top players in the Champions League, um, in the, excuse me, Championship last season with 14 goals. So he's definitely one that I personally would look out for as well this season. Yeah, for, for me, my, my, uh, I agree with you on, on the Ziyech, but I really am excited to see him um, this season. I, I watched him a bit in the Champions League um, the season before last, and he's just such an exciting player. Um, he has that aura where it reminds me of Hazard when, he, when you get the ball, everyone's just looking at him, he's going to come up with something special. Um, and uh, I, I'm not sure about his, his consistency, that would maybe be something you have to come to terms with in the Premier League and, and we'll see how, how well he does, but for me, if there's a, uh, you know, an African player that I'll be kind of looking forward to watching is Ziyech. Um, so that's my that'll be my shout for the season. Brilliant, Mimi. You've gone through the elite. Any sleeper players? Any players that you know we might not be seeing obviously in front of our eyes that you think could have breakout seasons? Yeah, that's why I said to you, Ebere is Eze is one of the ones at Crystal Palace. Um, just come from QPR to Crystal Palace, 14 goals, as I said, last season. So I think he's definitely one to watch out for. Um, another one, I guess, that we've everybody's been speaking about, about his breakout season last season, is Bukayo Saka um, at Arsenal. I would really like to see where he takes it on from his breakout season last season. 18-year-old, great talent. Um, he plays so many different positions as well for Arsenal. Um, I'd like to see how how he develops more under Arteta. He's shown some very promising signs already. We know he's been on Nigeria's radar. So he's still young. I don't think he necessarily needs to make a decision yet. But there's, there's a lot to learn. Um, Arteta played him on the right um, in the Community Shield. We saw the pass that he gave to Aubameyang that led to that goal. So there's more to see. I think more to come from Bukayo. And, Buk and Bukayo is still also so young uh, yeah. and he'll develop rapidly, especially in that team and under that manager. Sleeper players for me that I'm potentially thinking of. Um, I love Wolfram Ndidi. I know he's not a front player. I know he's, he, he's the defensive-minded, clock-ticking player that just keeps the team going. He's playing under a manager at the moment, very intelligent manager, uh, who I think will be able to take Leicester into that next phase of uh, graduation that they're potentially looking at. A wonderful, hard-working player that just 
makes the whole team attack well, but also defend very well. This is an outstanding player. And the next uh, player for me who's another sleeper is the Bison that we purchased, uh, Naby Keita. I, I think that's just an unbelievable... What he brings to our team at Liverpool is someone that can travel with a bit of silk with the ball, moves very well, puts that... Uh, that element of skill and trickery in, in tight areas that we just don't have in the team. We had it with Coutinho, it went, but Naby Keita is someone that also has an element of goal to it as well. Has come and had a few injuries, but these two sleeper players for myself, I think, will have big years. I'm, I'm very encouraged to watch Wilfred Ndidi this year. Uh, I, I think he's a wonderful player. I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned Wilfred Ndidi because for me, I already think of him as a standout player. Um, I, I do feel maybe he doesn't get as, as much of the credit that he deserves, um, as you've mentioned, in, in the midfield in terms of attacking and, and defence, not just for Leicester City, but also when you watch him play for Nigeria. I just feel that he probably can get, I hope, more props in the Premier League the next season or two. He is a very, very hard worker. And he's somebody that I know, he's so humble. He's a bit like Mane, I guess, Zane, when you were asking me about Mane. He's one of those players that's all about more about the game, about getting the results. Um, and he's not so much, he's on social media, but he's not so much, you know, out there with it. Mimi, correct me if I'm wrong. Is he studying at university while playing professional football? <laughs> He is indeed. I actually, I interviewed him last year, September, about yeah. it. I had just registered um, mm. at the university there. And um, yeah, I spoke to him about that. And it, it's when you see where he's come from in Nigeria, on the streets, he yeah. used to sell groundnuts on the streets in traffic to where he is today, making lots of money every week. He doesn't, he doesn't need to go to university if he doesn't mm -hmm. want to. He is already starting to think about life after football. He's already planning for life after football. That's why he decided to do this business degree that he that he registered for in September. And, and he did tell me that his wife helps to uh, look through his essays and correct his essays for him um, before he hands them in at university. So he's just he's just such a wonderful person, just so humble, a fantastic, a really top, top player. I do wonder if sometimes maybe for some, some people, they think maybe he's at Leicester City, maybe that's why he's not getting maybe the props, that if maybe he was at a club like United or Liverpool, like you've mentioned, maybe mm. people might, I think, put him out there amongst one of the best midfielders for me in the league. I, I, just, I just feel that he's at the element in his career where he can... Not only he's not just playing well, but he can drag the team to play even better and increase the profile of that side. Um, he's such a wonderful player, as you said. And um, in another club, you just don't know what he will explode into. He's also still relatively young. I think he's like 20, 23. So he's still got a, you know a, quite a couple of years. And I think Leicester's probably a really good club for him to kind of to show himself that he's a solid Premier League player. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, and, and like a, you know, a, a bigger, I know that's not a big club, but you know, a, a Chelsea, a I could see him going, going to Chelsea, um, or maybe in Liverpool, kind of going in for him later down the line. But I did watch your interview that a couple of years ago, and it, he seems like such a humble person. It's very rare that a footballer kind of is that dedicated to academia as well as as uh, football. I 
can tell you something. Oh. Courtney Fries was a professional football player, and his wife did help him with his assignments. <laughs> <laughs> what would you guys do, eh, without without wife? I would have failed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. It's but Zane, you mind if I just throw something in there? And I'm sorry, just to uh, st- uh, slow you down. I just want to go back to to Wilfred. Uh, you know, I've spoken a lot about him, but Wilfred has two elements at Leicester City. He's got Brendan Rodgers, which is a fantastic manager, we know, but he's also in the background got Colo Torre, who knows exactly what it takes, and you can just imagine the guidance, the behind the scenes chats that are happening to allow this player to eventually explode because this is going to happen. This is a very good player. I asked player. him about Colo Torre when I interviewed him and, he's, and I said, do you get, you know, as, as an African legend, Colo Torre, does he take you aside, you know, and speak to you and give you advice and tips? And he said, not really. He does it for everybody. He, he doesn't get necessarily particularly preference. But, you know, Colo Torre is a great brain, as we see, and I, I possibly a future... Uh, manager for the Ivory Coast in the future. But I think as well, what's great for Ndidi is he's got his good friend and as well countryman, Kelechi Ihenacho, um, as we've seen up front sometimes starting with Jamie Vardy. And, and you can see him sometimes in the pitch. He's really got that big brother looking over Ihenacho. If, you know, if something happens or is injured on the ground or people get angry and they go around shouting at Kelechi, you, 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 if you pay close attention, you will see Wilfred walking there, pushing people aside, trying to protect Kelechi. And I, I just love that. I think it's really sweet of him. Well, Mimi, that is fantastic insight on some of the players that we need to look out for, um, the players that we can expect to excel on the field. But just as we started the show, talking about Liverpool, talking about them being title contenders, We're now going to bring it back to the rest of the clubs of who can dethrone them, who can knock them off their perch, who are the teams that are making Courtney freeze and every Liverpool fan shiver in their boots. Francis and Quain, a man who is on the red half of Manchester rather than the blue noisy neighbours, give us some analysis on the juggernauts from Manchester. How do they go into the season? Well, I think it will be an interesting year for both teams. Um, Starting with City, I think uh, a lot of people have gotten Pep's number already. And there's less of a myth around the City team. But they still have a formidable machine and a fantastic style of play. They've In silver, they've lost a really important player for them. But I think uh, some of the players they brought in even with a person like Aki at the back, um, I think one of the most underrated defenders that we've had in the league. He does his job and can play two positions really, really well and allows them maybe to accommodate two different styles. They could do a three at the back or they could do four across the back and he would fit into two of these positions quite easily. And I think defense has been a big challenge for them. Uh, But I think they have the hunger uh, they have the desire, and Pep's one of those people who doesn't know how to come second. So I think the motivation will be there. Uh, they will fight, and they will fight really hard. And they have my favorite player in the league, in Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, I think he's just coming into his element. Um, I think he will want to put his own stake down for Ballon d'Or <laughs> alongside the Mbappes and, and Cole. 
and I think he's, he has every right to. But that's City. But I, somehow I don't think they're going to win anything. That's my opinion at the same time. Maybe that's just the red half of me speaking. <laughs> and uh, I said you're going to win. Is that what you're about to say? Hey, as a United <laughs> fan, is that what you want to say? <laughs> no. <laughs> Even at United, I have to say one thing that excites me about United is for the first time in a long time, we have goals like the old United team. When I look at our, our front three, so to speak, uh, I have a slight bias because I they all look the same. And I, I, I love how they look. They're athletic, they're handsome guys, but they have tremendous skills and they know each other inside out for the best part of the last four or five years, some of them even 10 years. If you're looking at Greenwood and, and Rashford, for example, um, there's an understanding they've gone through the years together. So when I look at that front three, I think pretty exciting. Uh, the people behind them, the fact that Pogba stayed and there's no conversation about him going anywhere. A year ago, I would not have thought it was an option. And I, I've always been a Pogba fan anyway. I, I like him as a footballer. I just think he was over-distracted. And then you have too many pundits who focus on the distractions and then underplay his tremendous ability to play football. But in Fernandez, he has a partner who understands his game. Um, and I think together they'd be really good. Our recent purchase, what's his name, Van der Beek. Good kid, good age, good hunger. Um, it's exciting. I just think the points will be reduced. Um, for me, for the Manchester conversation, it's all about the first 10 games. If the first 10 games allow both teams to operate the way they ended last season, then I think Liverpool are really in for a strong challenge. If they go in and out of form in the first 10 games, win some, lose some, win some, lose some, then the seeds of doubt creep in, and then you just have kind of like the same thing as last season. It's all about consistency. And I think Liverpool set the the benchmark on that one. My outside shot, not necessarily to win the league, but to cause a bit of a problem, is what Ancelotti, if he gets his act right at Everton, my favorite Nigerian player for me is Iwobi. And I think there's a player who was making a big move when he went to Everton. Um, he was at a club, but was almost seeking responsibility. And I think... If he can find the form he had before, Vancelotti can find that form for him. With people like Decore sitting in defense, or I mean in defensive midfield, and if they get in the Allen who they want, um, they could have a really solid bedrock. And they have a tremendous pool of talent. I mean, we forget they still have people like Bolassi still on their books. They have some really exciting players going forward. Um, there was a good player they bought last year called Bama. Uh, an amazing defender, but he got injured after like three games or something. And then he came back from his injury just uh, towards the end of the season or pre I can't remember, just after the corona or uh, COVID-19 issues. But then he got injured again. But a person like him, uh, even what Keane is doing, is growing into a phenomenal defender in and of himself. Uh, I think there's another team that just sits on the side, kind of like how Wolves were last year. I think with the experience of Ancelotti, these are the kind of people who will take points of many other teams. And as such, if you're not consistent, that's how you can lose your challenge. So my Manchester clubs would only be as good as if they take three points as opposed to taking one in the games that they're supposed to take three from. If they don't, 
it'll be the same story again. Somebody else will run away with it. Whoever can take as many three points as possible wins it. I feel like with, uh, with with Everton, every, they always have that at the start of the season, there's always a, a big hope for them because they do sign a lot of players and then towards the end of the season dies out. But hopefully this year with, um, with Ancelotti, they can they can continue. Um, but for, for me, I think the, the one club that really has the potential to challenge those two matches clubs you mentioned um, is Chelsea, really. Um, with the number of signings they've made, um, you know, the big signings, Ziyech, you've got Timo Werner, Chilwell, Sartre, um, they've 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 gone into the market really, and um, there's a lot of pressure now on Lampard after spending all that money. Um, you know, he people praised him for his first season. He didn't necessarily spend that much on his first season. Um, he, he did relatively well, and I think now he's got to go and, and, and build on on that. Um, I'm sorry, also they, yeah, they signed Silver Silver, so it, it, they've got a lot of players now that they, they need to kind of push for. Um, the other club which we're talking about is Tottenham. Um, I don't think they're gonna. Um, challenge for the title. Um, declare an interest. Declare an interest. As, as You've been watching all or nothing, and now you're saying they're not going to win. And for those who don't know what all or nothing is, it's the Amazon Prime series that goes behind Tottenham last season after Pochettino goes and the star man Mourinho goes in. So you're saying you don't expect any trophies this season? Well, as, as, a, to- as a Tottenham fan, I think. Mourinho's come in to win a trophy. I don't think it'll be the Premier League. Well, I'm pretty sure it won't be the Premier League. Um, but uh, he, you know, get an FA Cup, or you know, I think he's he's stated that he wants to go for the Europa League. But um, I look at the squad as a whole. We've signed uh, Doherty and uh, Hoiberg from Southampton, both really good signings. But it's not enough to seal the cracks. It's like um, you know, you, the, the wood's broken, and you're you're trying to sellotape it together. Um, it, we haven't seen all of the series yet, and we've not seen what's happened recently. But um, it, it looked when Mourinho came in, it looked like they've been then they're more motivated than they were under Pochettino. Um, but I just don't think the squad's still there. You know, having either Davies or Rose at left back, they're they're both not at that top four level standard. Um, you know, we've not signed a, a number nine, a, a good number nine. You had Janssen and Soldado in over ten years. You know. There's signings that need to be made which aren't being made. Um, so for me, they'll be lucky to get top four. Talking about contenders for myself, um, and there's some really good points made across the board here. Um, I, I just think that absolutely the, the champions, yes, and then Man City. I think the 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 um, resignation of uh, David Silva going to Spain may give uh, De Bruyne that blanket of responsibility he needs at the moment to really push on and become that excellent player that uh, everybody knows he's, he is and is even going to get better. Um, I also like the chemistry that Fernandez brought to Man United. The Premier League needs a strong Manchester United. Um, and uh, that is just Who one says player. that? Who says they need a strong Manchester Tell well, me why they need. Oh, we've you must got a remember, I'm talking. The 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 um, Premier League, in my opinion, needs a strong Man United team and pushes everybody on. And what Fernandez has done to that team, how he's changed the chemistry. They won a phenomenal run towards the end of the season, unbeaten, picking up points. People were playing better than normally uh, with the addition of Fernandez. So you, you got three huge contenders there: City. Um, 
United and Liverpool. But I will also say Chelsea are now, with the purchases they're making, putting themselves into that bracket. The only problem I will say is that Frank Lampard needs to be very careful. Uh, Abramovich's money comes with a very sharp guillotine. I think the weakness of Chelsea will be Lampard. That's my opinion. That is the Premier League coach of the season. Voted for by the football writers. Voted for by his friends. Uh, forgive me. We all know the same way Henderson got player of the year. Please. He carries the right passport. That's it. Mimi, what do you think? I'm not going to get into that discussion. I think with what he was served um, last season with the ban and all, I think um, Lampard actually did a good job and exceeded expectations. Um, as I mentioned earlier in the discussions, it's for me, it's between Manchester City and Liverpool, as I've already mentioned. But as Courtney was saying, some of the challengers... Um, for me, Chelsea, because of the signings that have come in, but not 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 just that. I think Pulisic and like and Mount have been for me post lockdown. And Giroud, who would have thought Giroud as well? Because Giroud was on the bench uh, pre lockdown, uh, and there was talk of him leaving the club post lockdown. I feel like they re-energized. You know what I mean? So I feel looking at the new additions, Pulisic, Mount, you've got. You're getting a good, well-rounded team being um, put together by Lampard in the Premier League, I feel, this coming season. And let me also add, I think it was you, Courtney, that was speaking about United. Um, um, Bruno Fernandes has made such a big difference, for sure, for United. But let's not forget Igalo as well. Before lockdown, I'm not talking about post-lockdown, because post-lockdown he wasn't, he was, he hasn't had as many minutes. But pre-lockdown, Igalo and Bruno Fernandes coming into United really energized the squad, I feel. I mean, I think Igalo had four goals in five uh, matches that he started when he first came. Before now, he's not getting as many minutes. So I think they really energized um, that United side and Bruno Fernandes coming and you saw a different Pogba as well, um, you know, uh, to to the team. So I think United, Chelsea, Arsenal will be good, good contenders. But I think for me, it will still be between um, City and Liverpool. Well, Mimi, you, you touched on an important point there. A team that we've not mentioned, and our brother Kalechi, Dr. Kalechi from Arsenal is going to be very unhappy. No one has spoken about the Gooners and what they can do this season. Well, we have spoken a little bit about um, the changes that uh, I think Arteta is bringing in, Gabrielle as well, the signing, which we, we, we discussed this. For me, Aubameyang made the biggest impact on that team um, up front, finishing those goals. We saw it was in the defence that some work needed to be done um, with Arsenal, I think David Luiz as well put up his hand, being inconsistent um, in this season. But you've seen Arteta coming in, putting his confidence um, behind him, and and you know reinforcing reinforcing that defense. So I do think um, Arteta is building as well a team, um, very clever in terms of tactics um, that he's bringing to mix things up for Arsenal. But for me, it will still be Liverpool, City, Chelsea. Uh, United slash Arsenal. Well, maybe you've given us your prediction. So you're saying Liverpool City, 
Let's go round the horn. Let's maybe start it with Ahmed, take it to Francis and go to Courtney. Tell me who's going to win the league and why. Uh, I think Manchester will win the league. They've uh, fought well this summer and um, I, I still think it's controversial, but over the last few years, they've, at their peak, they are the best side. They were very inconsistent last year. Um, without the injuries, the new players, they will be uh, unbeatable this year. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not picking anybody, to be brutally honest. <laughs> I'm going to keep it at that. We're going to watch those first 10 games, and then you come back to me, and I'll tell you who's going to win it. Preferably on the 37th game. I'll let you know then. I'll put some money on it, too. Oh, come on. You are not a politician. You <laughs> have to give us something. I don't but have to. It's a Gary Lineker answer. It's all conjecture, and we have this betting culture in England that I don't subscribe to. I look forward to the season. To speak about Arsenal, I think the sweetest thing that's happened to Arsenal is actually the signing of Willian, who I think will add that little thing that they needed over there. And they can get Ozil to play ball again. I don't know. They can really do something. But I think... Ask, ask me which is the most boring country I've been in the world to, Francis. Which is the most boring country you've been to? Switzerland. And you're turned into Switzerland right now. Yeah, it's all good. Call me boring, but we produce cheese and we keep everybody. <laughs> cool, cool. Value your perspective, Francis. Courtney, take us home. What is your prediction and why? I, my prediction is Liverpool. They have a defense as powerful as their attack. Um, if they have no injuries, which was spoken about earlier in the show, I just cannot see us with the firepower we have and the defensive strength we have not winning the league again. Um, Virgil van Dijk is the Mane of defence and Mane is the Mane of attack. Alrighty. I'm going to make my prediction. I think City come back. I think City take it. And I do think the toughest contenders are going to be Liverpool and Manchester United. Fernandez is too exciting to bottle that up. And combined with Pogba, Igalo, and the team that they're putting together, I think there's something potent that's going to be at Old Trafford. Pains me to say that. Now, before we end the show, it's been 16 long years since Leeds have been in the Premier League. And to end our show, we hear from one of the club's legends, Lucas Radebe. He talks about some of his career highlights and why he loves the beautiful game. Here's our interview with him. Why do you love football? <laughs> it's the passion and the talent that's there, you know, and it helps me bring all the, the different values and the emotions in, <laughs> in a person in one go. Which is your favorite city in the world to visit and play football in? Explain. Uh, <laughs> one of the best cities, I think. I think, I mean, England, which is, I think, uh, the passion of the, of, of the supporters and the level of the game, you know, uh, that's played in. You know, uh, I think uh, the impact that football has in, 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 in the UK, I think it's, um, it's appreciable. If I could get you to pinpoint one city, one stadium, one experience and why? Uh, one city. You know, you know, I played football, especially when we played in the Champions League. I played in Ukraine. We played in Ukraine, which is a beautiful city. 
absolutely beautiful. Uh, was that Kiev? It was at the Dynamo Kiev, and and uh, I think I would love uh, the city is absolutely beautiful. And uh, obviously, okay, not the stadium, but <laughs> I think the city. I mean, the stadium. Uh, I think it'll be it'll be Enfield. Uh, actually, not not even Enfield. At Tottenham. I think which was White Hat Lane. Uh, Lane. I think uh, because we used to get three points when we were there. <laughs> and to be honest, for me, you know, one of the good things that I used to do, to have, knowing that I'm going to have a good game, if I walked out of the tunnel, and I can feel the light, and I and it takes it off my body, and that's how I felt every time when I went to White Hat Lane. Who's the one person you can't go a day without calling or texting, and what do you message or talk to this person about? <laughs> I think Gary Kelly. Uh, he's one of my ex-players, very funny guy. I mean, we had some great times together. But for one thing, we had one thing in common, charity work. You know, uh, during my testimonial, you know, whenever when the club is organized, you know, him individually, he wrote out a check, 10,000 pounds, towards my charity, which is something that, you know, I've never, never, not anybody has done. Can you introduce me to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, you know, I, it's a pity that I've, all that money has gone to charity. I would, have, I would have kept some myself. <laughs> I would do with some of that. <laughs> Lucas, why are you proud to be African? I, I think uh, uh, where we come from, and uh, the culture. You know the diversity that we have in the country and the country that we have to be honest i think we've got a beautiful country and we've got a lot you know where to uh, uh, to cater for the world who's your favorite player of all time well that's a difficult question you know my favorite player franco barisi the late is it late franco barisi because i was i modeled myself you know, uh, through him, you know, uh, he was one of the best defenders that I've ever seen play. Not rough, strong and very tactful. Benny might have had TKZ in the 18 area, but you have the Kaiser Chiefs who named their band after your club in South Africa, the Soweto Giants Kaiser <coughs> Chiefs. How did that happen and how proud of you that that how proud are you that they honored you in that way? Oh, man, it's uh, I'm very, very proud. And, uh, and, and again, I still say, you know, uh, uh, I've never thought that can happen, but uh, but when I met those guys first time, and I thought they wanted me to be one of the band members, but <laughs> I know I couldn't sing <laughs> to save my life. But but for me it was the proud moment, where I think it's one of the things that instill uh, uh, the, 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 uh, those values of respect, honesty you know, at the club that they gave me the opportunity and the people that love me, you know, uh, uh, whether I come from South Africa or, or wherever, it was absolutely amazing. Lucas Rodebe's first professional team that he played for in the PSL was called Kaiser Chiefs. Kaiser Chiefs are one of the biggest clubs in South Africa. He moved from South Africa to Leeds United and the group then named themselves after the team he came from because he became such a legend at Leeds United as well. Uh, so the the band was born from the name Kaiser Chief, which originated from the owner of Kaiser Chiefs, which is Kaiser Mdohum. Um And the Chiefs part came in from the fact that there were the Atlanta Chiefs 
who used to play in the old NASL, the North American Soccer League, and Kaiser Mutong went to play there. Wouldn't own that. So he took his first name and the name of that old American franchise, the Chiefs. See, we're not just experts and analysts. We're football historians. <laughs> well, guys, that's all we have time for. For all the listeners out there, leave a rating, leave a review. If you've come this far, you can do that for us because it helps people find the show. But before we go, we have a new member of our team. He is the new On The Whistle AP, Joshua Pedro. Joshua, I'd like you to turn your mic on. I'd like you to turn your camera on. Because if you know anything, if it's your first time appearance on the On The Whistle podcast, you have to have an initiation song. And because you are the newest member of the team, you have to come and sing your song. We're going to save Mimi. We'll get Mimi to sing a song the next time she's on. But Josh, <laughs> you got to do. Josh, turn your camera on, turn your mic on. We want to see you and we want to hear you. I don't think I'm allowed to do initiation. It's too late. <laughs> what do you mean? You've got to, you've got to drop some bars. We had Peter Osaza Odomwingi sing "Beat It" from Michael Jackson. So you've played as a junior at Arsenal. What no, no, Arsenal. Would you... Sorry, at Fulham. Same thing. Not the same thing. The same thing. <laughs> what song would you have sung if you were playing for the Fulham Seniors and you're about to make your debut in the Premier League? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, uh, no, I got, I got no, I think I'll do, I'll do Sugar Hill Gang. I'll do Sugar Hill Gang for you. The opening rap. I said a hit. Hop, baby, baby to the hip, hip hop. It don't stop for rocking to the van, man. Bridget, you up, shut the boogie to the ribbon of the boogie beat. Now, what you hear is not a test, and I'm rapping to the beat. And me, the groove, and my friends are going to try to move your feet. I'll give you that. That's it. That's, a, that's Well that's done, it. Josh Pedro. Well done. Bravo. That is brilliant. <laughs> Thank that you. That is brilliant. I think we're going to put this to a vote. If you heard Courtney sing, Earth. Wind and Fire, was that what you sang, Courtney? Who did you sing? Could you unmute, Court? Earth, Wind and Fire, it is called Love's Holiday. Okay. Now, I know, Francis, you heard that, and I know, Ahmed, you heard that. Who is now in gold place in our karaoke on the team? It's, it's a tight one, that one. Um, <laughs> I, I, might, I might have to, to give it to Courtney, unfortunately. Sorry, but... <laughs> <laughs> Love the rap, but that man had was hitting notes. <laughs> I feel like we're an X Factor, and I'm going to be the one who's different. I'm going to say I was going to go with with Josh because Courtney had time to practice. Josh had to come out and spit fire, and he did. And maybe I don't know if you heard Courtney. Have you heard Courtney singing on our our previous podcast? Unfortunately, sorry, I have. Well, that's okay. You can find it on social media, OTW underscore podcast. Guys, thank you for joining us. Mimi, thank you for all your expertise. Thank you for bringing all the insight of your work, your ability to get close to the players. Um, we wish you well this season, um, wherever that may be, whether you're in a stadium, whether you're social distancing, whether you're on the Focus on Africa show, 
we're, we're such big fans. We're such supporters of you. Thank you for coming and joining us today. Thank you for having me, everyone. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And um, I will be social distancing for a while. <laughs> cool. Well, that's a wrap, guys. All the best. And uh, I can't wait to see you around soon. Salagashle. Peace.